Hi, and welcome to Drinking with Creatives. It's like hot ones, but for alcoholics. My name is Jeremy Berger, a documentary filmmaker and editor. In each episode, I chat with a professional creative. We have a few drinks, chat about life, the work, and the world. I don't know about you, but the past few weeks have been rough. The new year saw the culmination of political division in the United States and the storming of the Capitol, an event not seen in more than 200 years. In the context of this event, and those leading up to it, Drinking With Creatives is going to do something a little bit different for our season two premiere. See, there's a lot of confusion about one of our constitutional amendments, and we're going to clarify things a bit by asking a question, what the hell is the freedom of speech? Where does it begin? As importantly, where does it end? Is deplatforming a First Amendment issue? If Twitter bans me, can I sue? So, I did the only sensible thing when needing an education. I got me a teacher. Let's start off. If you could please tell everybody uh, who you are, what you do, and where we can find you. My name is Bennett Gershman. Uh, I'm a law professor at Pace Law School in White Plains, New York. Um, and, uh, that's where you can find me. So the question that is one of the reasons I reach out to you, and, um, I think it's on everybody's mind right now is the, uh, freedom of speech, which has recently come very much into, uh, the popular nomenclature due to current events. I was wondering, would you be able to give us a definition? Well, sure. Uh, freedom of speech is one of the four listed communications freedoms contained in the First Amendment, speech, press, petition, and assembly. The court also read another uh, communications right into the First Amendment, the right of association um, as, as a form of communication. And those are the uh, categories of, of, of speech protected under the First Amendment. Uh, you know, any, any, I mean, we're talking about communication uh, and importantly, and I think, you know, your listeners should understand this because I guess it's clear to those of us who study constitutional law, it may not be all that clear to the general public, but, you know, the Constitution and specifically the rights in the Constitution that are in the Bill of Rights, they apply to government. They apply to the federal government, state government, local government. Uh, these are rights that, that, are, that are protected so that the government cannot pass laws, make policy, do anything that would burden your rights. But again, we're talking about government. The Constitution is a check on government. The Constitution is a check on any government official, uh, any legislative body, any lawmaking uh, authority, any way that the government is doing any kind of regulation or policy making or anything that in any way invades your rights, you then have a remedy against the government. But the constitution does not apply to private non-government action. It doesn't apply to private uh, companies. It doesn't apply to Twitter. It doesn't apply to Facebook. It doesn't apply to the, National Football Association. It, it doesn't apply to private employers. It doesn't apply, I teach at Pace Law School. Pace Law School is a private university. I have no First Amendment rights in Pace University. 
and they can punish me if I say things they don't like. But if I were teaching at the state university in Binghamton, mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a state university in Texas, uh, if I were teaching at a government university, a state university, then I would have a First Amendment right against the university doing something to uh, burden my right to speech, to retaliate against me for my speech. So there's a huge difference between private and, and government action. Government action is protected against, con- uh, is protected. Uh, state action is not protected. Now, 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 just stop for a second. Even though uh, private action is not subject to constitutional review, constitutional restraints, there are loads and loads of laws uh, discrimination laws, private discrimination laws, laws that might protect my right to speak at Pace University. There are laws in the university that might protect me, but those are private laws. Those are not constitutionally required. I mean, there are just a whole host of laws that might protect me, but the constitution doesn't protect me in a, in a private capacity. So understand, again, there's this clear division. The first amendment does not apply to private action by these private individuals, private companies, uh, private publishers, you know, they can, they can censor any way they want to mm-hmm. without, without even t- going anywhere near suggestion that they protect, that they're acting under the first amendment. They have no first amendment requirements of, of private, you know, private individuals, private companies, private publishers, private, you know, Zoom, you know, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, these 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 are private, you know, uh, private actors, uh, and the Constitution does not apply to private action. It only applies to government action, and that d- distinction should be made very very clear. And well, that's why we're having this right now because I feel like there is some gray area, and I probably should have warned you. Uh, I know nothing about the law, so this is going to probably resemble a little bit of a one-on-one class for you. Um, <laughs> So my next question is, because when I first heard about, you know, and we're talking grade school, uh, the uh, First Amendment rights of freedom of speech being described to me, I was told that there were always going, there were always an exceptions. And the classic exception they go to is you can't yell fire in a movie theater. Let me give you five categories that are exceptions to the First Amendment's protection of freedom of speech, okay? Oh, great, please. And this is the way I, I would teach it. Um, let me just start with um, an easy category. And these are, you know, you call these categorical exceptions to the protection given to us by the First Amendment. There's no protection for obscenity, okay? Mm. The word obscenity pictures were uh, obscene uh, speech, whether it's by speech, pictures, whatever, is not protected. It's outside the First Amendment, obscenity, okay? Um, false advertising. False advertising is not protected. Advertising is protected. Advertising is speech, okay? But false advertising is not protected. Mm-hmm. Um, defamation, slander, uh, libel, that's not protected speech. You can sue if you're, being, if you're defamed by somebody, okay? Now, there are, there are ways that the Supreme Court has made a defamation lawsuit you know, they, they place certain limitations on defamation lawsuits. Okay, uh, but, but still the category of defamation is not protected. You're not protected if you defame somebody. 
There's no First Amendment right to defame somebody. Um, we have a category which the court has called fighting words. Um, fighting words uh, traditionally has been interpreted to mean saying something to somebody that would be so abusive, so hateful, that it would be reasonable that that person could respond with violence. Um, so yes, we're talking about hate speech. Hmm. Yes, we're talking about racist speech. We're there are certain kinds of speech that is so vile, so disgusting that the constitution gives no protection for that kind of speech, okay? And then we have this very, very large and interesting category, which goes to what I think you were just talking about, shouting fire in the theater. Mm -hmm. I teach this as, let's just call it dangerous speech or speech that incites to violence. Uh, speech that um, in, in, you know, is, is, is crime words, call it crime words. What am I talking about? Well, here are some crimes that are committed by speech. Take the crime of conspiracy. Conspiracy hmm. is speech. We were getting together, we're agreeing together to commit a crime. That's speech, that's, that's speech, but it's not protected, of course. Mm -hmm. Criminal solicitation. I solicit, I solicit somebody to kill a law professor. You know, solicitation, words, but there's no protection for, uh, under the First Amendment for that kind of speech. Uh, to, to solicit somebody to commit a crime. Lying, perjury, that's speech, but that's not protected under the First Amendment. Threats, I threaten somebody, I threaten to kill somebody. That's not protected, that's speech, but it's not protected. Uh, and uh, incitements, incitement to imminent violence. That's like shouting fire in the theater. You know, one could argue that what President Trump did uh, two weeks ago in inciting this mob to storm the White House. I call that incitement. I think there is an imminent danger there. We're not talking about uh, a, a large march, you know, of people protesting something. This isn't protest. This is incitement to imminent harm, violence. Uh, and, 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 and that's not protected speech. Now, yes, you have to prove that, that this is a clear and present danger, that this is like shouting fire in a crowded theater, that this is an incitement and not just abstract advocacy of some issue. You know, if they were talking about the election and election fraud, but he told them, go to the White House, storm the White House. That's what, uh, you know, combat uh, Giuliani said. And Trump, you know, march to the White House, I'll join you. I mean, this was an incitement to insurrection. Now, yes, you have to prove that, but if you prove it, it's not protected speech. So I've given you about five, you know, five areas of I call dangerous speech, words, just words, but these words are crime words. And uh, there's no First Amendment protection in, in, in this kind of speech. So I've given you, I think, five, which I would say are uh, not within the protection of the First Amendment at all. Uh, but, but again, in every other area where the government is regulating speech and government regulates speech every day of the week, you know, we have to look and see what the regulation is and whether the regulation is too uh, broad and, and, is, and is maybe uh, regulating too much speech. And there are loads and loads of categories, whether you want to put up signs, whether you want to hand out leaflets, whether you want to go door to door canvassing, 
um, you know, whether you want to um, march and demonstrate, on and on and on. All of this is speech. And all of this is regulated by the government. And, and we just, and, and hundreds and thousands of cases uh, involving these kinds of examples that I've just given you are litigated. Courts make decisions as to whether or not the government is going too far in regulating the speech or is not. But this is all, you know, the subject of First Amendment law, First Amendment jurisprudence. And I haven't even talked about freedom of the press. I haven't talked about, um, you know, other situations where the government is seeking to um, force people to say things that people don't want to say. You know, there are loads and loads of areas here involving the First Amendment. It's one of the most uh, largest area of constitutional jurisprudence of any right that exists, really. It's, that's fascinating coming from the outside, taking a look in, because I feel that so many people take a look at the First Amendment as being this written stone thing under which there's a certain amount of interpretation up to the person about what is my speech and what is not. Whereas what you're saying is there's actually lists and lists and lists of rules and laws uh, used to enforce this that are litigated almost daily. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and I would definitely like to talk uh, about the press as well. Well, you know, freedom of the press is, is one of the most cherished freedoms that we have. I, I would say that, uh, you know, we don't, you know, in, in, in other countries, even England, you can stop the press from publishing something that you don't like. Here, it's almost impossible to stop the press from publishing anything that the press publishes. There is no such a thing here as we call a prior restraint on publication. I mean, I'm thinking of the famous Pentagon Papers case where the New York Times published like, you know, 50 volumes of the war in Vietnam, the history of the war in Vietnam. You know, the, the press in this country is given as broad uh, an area for um, publishing the news as probably anywhere in the world. Um, you know, and there's virtually no way to stop the press from publishing. You, you know, you can sue the press for, for defamation uh, you can do that, and but but the protection of the press in, in a suit for defamation gives the press tremendous protection. You almost have to show that the press uh, deliberately published something false about you and knew they were publishing something false about you. We prize freedom of the press so much that you know the media is is I mean the media is seen by some people as the enemy of the people, you know. But mm -hmm. but uh, the press's freedom. Is, is as broad as any freedom that we have. And that's because we believe it's so important for, 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 for the public in a democracy mm -hmm. to learn what the facts are, to learn the truth. Now, you know, one of the big changes today from the time when the framers wrote the First Amendment and freedom of the press is there's just so much today online, you know, and, and, and uh, on Twitter and, uh, and so on. Um, and, and that really has not yet been regulated by government. It still is you know, like an open marketplace mm. for speech. Um, Olive Wendell Holmes thought that the value of speech was for people to be able to congregate in the marketplace and talk back and forth. That would be the greatest thing for democracy, for people to be able to share ideas and fight and, and words and, you know, and argue. And, argue about ideas and that would be the way to bring about truth and the way to bring about you know political democracy for, for people to be able to argue back and forth but today of course it's complicated 
attacked by so much misinformation, so much false information, so much on the internet that really does uh, make people think maybe this market, the new market, the internet marketplace maybe should be regulated because again, it, it, it may be inconsistent with um, learning the truth. We wanna learn the truth, we wanna learn facts. And to learn the truth, to learn facts, we wanna have as broad a freedom of speech as possible. But you know, with so much misinformation out there, this is a real concern and, uh, and, and we're questioning you know, the extent to which we should allow such misinformation to happen. And so you're seeing Twitter and you're seeing Facebook censor certain kinds of speech. Again, there's no First Amendment issue here because these are not governmental uh, entities. But um, people scream and yell and complain that Twitter or Facebook or whatever are engaging in censorship. They are engaging in censorship, they are. But they're doing it because they feel it's the right thing to do stop the the sewage you might say speech sewage from coming out into the uh you know into the into the internet and uh and and, and causing so much you know damage to uh to to our understanding of the truth and uh and 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 you know i mean the whole idea that, that the the election was fraudulent that trump won by a landslide i mean you know that's just not true it's not right. true, but I know that millions of people believe it. And, you know, how do you deal with that? I mean, typically, you, you, you know, you have people talk about it and discuss it. Now there's so much, you know, that's on the internet that is just so f false. And, uh, you, know, you, 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 you wonder how people could believe some of the stuff they get there. But, you know, we're, we're at a point today where speech is being um, subject to so much uh, scrutiny as, as that's why we're having this uh, this podcast. Um, exactly. That's why we're having it. And it's, it, it is a big problem today. Now, there's so many different directions I want to go with this, but I wanted to start uh, with, because that was definitely something I wanted to come on and ask you more about, was trying to keep up with these technological innovations and the expansion of communication between human beings and how the law tries to keep up with that. How does it redefine parameters for the application or the, uh, the, the for its own uh, jurisprudence, if I'm using the word correctly? Yeah, yes. I mean, the law typically follows, it doesn't lead. And uh, I think that the government, you know, I think Congress, for example, or any lawmaking body um, may, be, uh, may be worried about stepping in to this kind of a situation uh, involving regulating let's say regulating the internet. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, a it's a difficult task because, you know, you, you don't want to stop speech, but you, but you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're not, uh, you know, you're not um, allowing so much misinformation to be communicated that our democracy is being imperiled. Uh, and, I, and I think there's a good argument to be made that with so much misinformation out there, you know, our, our, our democracy may be in trouble. I mean, we've seen that uh, over the last several days or weeks with, with Twitter stopping uh, the president from using that platform. Yes. He said something like 75% of false claims has been, it had been reduced dramatically. I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah, the amount of mis... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and nobody should really be surprised at that. Um, 
But, you know, look, we've always had uh, people who, who said, you know, the earth is flat and the Holocaust never happened and uh, Elvis Presley is alive, you know, but, but now we, 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 we can see that multiplied a million times by, by this stuff on, on the internet and people do believe it. Now, you know, the internet can stop people from using it for pornography and obscenity and stuff like that. But in terms of words and speech, it, it's, it's an open, it's open season. And, and, you know, the open season means that these paramilitary groups were able to uh, conspire to engage in that insurrection two weeks ago. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, can, it can have such devastatingly harmful consequences um, without any real regulation. And so there has to be some self-regulation. And uh, this is what we're seeing, uh, you know, in terms of Twitter. Now, you know, we've seen self-regulation, let's say, I'm giving you a hype, you know, we talked about freedom of the press. Mm -hmm. um, now, let's say that uh, there's been uh, a, a young woman who's been sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. um, now, typically, if the press wants to publish the name of that individual, they can do it. Now, a lot of people out there listening to this might say, oh, no, they can't. Why can't they? Sure, they can do it. And if the government passed a law saying newspapers may not publish the identities of rape victims, newspapers may not publish the identity of juveniles, you know what? those laws would be struck down as unconstitutional, mm. okay? Now, what happens is typically the responsible press does not publish the names of the rape victim and the juvenile. And they don't do it because they don't think it's the right thing to do. They're self-regulating, okay? Mm -hmm. but, and that's the way this thing uh, happens. Um, and, and, you know, everything I've said to you, there are Supreme Court cases that support my, uh, the points I'm trying to make. Uh, so, you know, so there is, you know, what we're seeing now is Twitter is self-regulating. Facebook mm -hmm. is self-regulating. Now I say that's a good thing. Somebody else out there will say that's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. But again, we're not dealing with freedom of speech. We're dealing with a matter of business decision-making, whether it's good for business, whether it's not good for business, uh, whether Twitter is taking a big risk that by doing this, they're going to turn off people. Um, they're criticized for it in some quarters. I know that. But we're not talking about freedom of speech. We're not talking about the Constitution. You know, we're talking about business judgments. And we're talking about the harm that speech can have on our democracy. And people have to think about that. And they have to think about the last several months since the election. How much harm has been caused by misinformation, by lies, about the uh, the election, whether you like it or not, I mean, you know, everybody who responsible people have said it was the most secure election in history. Mm -hmm. Even the attorney general said there's no proof of fraud, there's no proof of irregularity. Sure, there are minor glitches here and there. Every election has that, but this mm -hmm. was the most secure, uh, fair election in our history. And and you know, but but millions and millions of people out there are, you know, get this sewage from the president uh, and, and uh, uh, believe it, mm -hmm. believe it. And that's what was the basis for that insurrection two weeks ago that killed six people, including a policeman. And everybody knew it. I mean, they, 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 the, the insurrection was planned, spawned, inv incited 
on the internet mm -hmm. with, of course, the uh, inflammatory remarks of uh, the president and his uh, henchmen. So let's, if we could talk about Parler for a quick second, which was the actual yeah. individual app right. that they were using, right. that, that many of the insurrectionists right. were using to organize right. the events surrounding right. that. Um, now they have been deplatformed by the two main uh, stores for mobile technology being the Apple uh, App Store, as Amazon. well as the Google or, or yeah, Android, right. I should say Apple Store. Yeah. And right. there have been claims from the CEO that this is an attempt to stifle uh, the freedom of speech at the risk of going over ground we've already covered. Could you give me your opinion on that? Well, Parler is again, is, is private, is a private platform. And it's, it's, it's uh, I guess, controlled or supervised by Apple, et cetera. And if they don't want to have, have it used for uh, ugly speech, you know, they, they, they certainly are making a business judgment that to, to get rid of it. They think it's harmful. They think it, it, it's, it damages our democracy. That's their judgment. Is that judgment a good judgment? Well, you know, some people think it is. Uh, some people don't think that uh, these platforms should be used to spawn um, these militia groups to engage in insurrection uh, and, and a coup against our, our government. Um, so, you know, again, we're not talking about the First Amendment. We're talking about a judgment by, by a company mm -hmm. that has, has believes that what they're doing is injurious to democracy and that harmful to our country. And, and you know, you can, you can fight about that, but you can't fight about that under the Constitution. You can fight about that in terms of policy. You know, you want to boycott the company, do whatever you want to do, you know. But, but again, we're not talking about free speech. We're talking about, um, in other words, a, a company that uh, is, doesn't allow um, people to congregate. You know, we're talking about a shopping center, okay? They don't want to allow people to come in there and demonstrate. Right. You know, can a shopping center do that? Sure, they can do that. It's a shopping center, it's not that's government. Now, maybe that's a bad business judgment. And some shopping centers, by the way, allow uh, individuals to come in and boycott and stand in front of stores and, and so on and so on. You know, uh, but, but it's, if it's a private shopping center, they don't have to allow people to come in and demonstrate. And, and, and they can throw you out of your store if they, if they don't like the fact that you're wearing a Nazi swastika on your, on your shirt. Can they throw you out of the store? Sure they can. You know, who, who would say they have, you have a right to walk into a store with a Nazi swastika? On, on your shirt, you know. You, we're not talking about government censorship. We're talking about a business that says, get out of my store. I don't want you in my store. What's yeah. wrong with that? As ugly as it might be, you can go walking around on a public sidewalk with it. That's as different. Much as you that's like. different. That's in your, that's but as different. soon as you walk indoors, as soon as you walk onto private property. Exactly, all bets exactly, are off. exactly. You can, exactly. If you go on the subway, you can be thrown off, you know, the, the city subway. If you want to look, walk on the street, you can do that. Yeah, you're in public. Yeah, because because in the public, you know, this is a very another part of our free speech um, jurisprudence, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how much can the government regulate speech in public places? And there's a huge amount of uh, law and cases dealing with. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about walking, yeah, walking like that. We're talking about people standing on the sidewalk soliciting money. We're talking about people getting online and then standing next to people who are at an ATM. We're talking about signs. We're talking about marches. We're talking about uh, littering, hand handing out lit literature. We're talking about can the government limit how many people are standing in front of City Hall uh, uh, at a busy time of day? Yes. I mean, we're talking about the, the way we call this in free speech jargon is time, place, manner, 
regulations. You can't speak any time in any place and in any manner that you want to. The government can regulate that. But we are talking here about speech in the public domain. So that what you just said is exactly right. You can walk along the street with a, uh, you know, wearing a Nazi swastika on your hat or whatever. Um, you know, again, we have to see what you're doing. I mean, if you're walking close to people, if you're doing something that would unnerve people, you know, I mean, it, it, it may be important if you're walking too close to people to try to really scare people. That's different, right? That That's something we can stop. Now you know, it's going to depend on the circumstances. Yeah. Well, no, that that that's that's very interesting because now, it, and I never really thought about this before, but we use the swastika on a T-shirt because it's a very visual uh, metaphor that everybody can kind of uh, mm-hmm. imagine in their own minds. But as you're describing it, between uh, the way that one might be walking or they're walking too close to people, if these are t- are these taken into context that could be considered communication, therefore, oh, sure. are there multiple aspects for the freedom of speech well, well, under everything? you know, yeah. contain that person might be doing like t-shirt or not. Jeremy, sure. Look, I, I, you know, wearing the t-shirt in public, you know, there, there's a famous Supreme Court case. And, and I, I guess I got to cite it because it certainly seems relevant here. The case is called Cone against California. Mm-hmm. Um, Cone was in a large rotunda of a courthouse um, in, indoors. And he was wearing a jacket and the back of the jacket said, fuck the draft. Oh. Um, a, a, a person saw it shrieked and the police officer arrests Cone uh, for, 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 where, for the jacket and the sign on the jacket, which was offensive, okay? Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court threw out the case. They said offensive speech is protected speech, mm-hmm. okay? And, and, and so with that, I say that if you're just walking along a street with, with a swastika, if you're holding up a sign, you know, or something like that, I would say that's offensive speech, but it's probably protected speech. I don't see, in other words, I, you could say, well, it, it's so, it's so dangerous. You know, it, it, it's almost like fighting words. It's almost like hate speech. Now, look, I'm going to stop and say, I got to see what the facts are. If he's going over to people, if he's standing there in a way that might provoke people to respond with violence, then I might stick that into the category of fighting words that I just talked about a moment ago. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, but if you're, but offensive speech in public is protected speech. Okay, I mean, we got to understand that. Uh, now, I, I'm, again, I'm looking at the circumstances. I'm looking at whether or not um, maybe swastika is, is so uh, offensive that maybe we can protect it. But there was another case that I teach where, where neo-Nazis marched through a neighborhood in, in Chicago somewhere. The neighborhood happened to have a lot of Holocaust victims living oh there. And, and, the, and the neo-Nazis marched through the neighborhood. And you know what? The judge said they had a right to march. And in fact, you know who represented the neo-Nazis? No. The, Ameri- the American Civil Liberties Union. Um, really? Because, yeah, really, because this is a principle. The principle is free speech. And you have a right, you know, they had a right to demonstrate, however ugly, however despicable. They, you know, again, this was not inciting to riot. Mm. You know, if, if, if these people, insurrectionists, if the militia was, was gathering in front of the Capitol and they were simply demonstrating, okay? Mm-hmm. That's certainly protected speech. They weren't trying to storm the Capitol and invade it. You know, that's a kind of a demonstration that is protected. But once they start to uh, invade the Capitol, invade the Capitol because of the inflammatory statements of the president and others, now that crosses the line. So, so you know, um, again, uh, there, there are lots and lots of 
rules of speech. And, and in this area, I just talked about time, place, manner of speech. You know, there are loads and loads of cases. I would say more cases there than almost any other area of freedom of speech. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it gets very, very technical. It does. And, and you know, and you got to assume also that uh, lawmakers are drafting laws all the time to try to um, regulate speech. You know, when the Clintons, after President Clinton left office, they moved up to uh, a, a, a place in, in Westchester County. Um, the, the town there drafted a whole range of, uh, of laws dealing with demonstrations and protests and so on, uh, you know, knowing that, that this would be a, you know, a lightning rod for people to, you know, to demonstrate. Um, so, so, you know, lawmakers are, are, are constantly passing laws to uh, deal with um, public demonstrations, public, different kinds of public speech, signs, littering, uh, um, canvassing, on and on and on. You know, there was a case, there was a case uh, in the Supreme Court two years ago where an organization in uh, Missouri, uh, West, West, uh, I forget the name of West something. They 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 were, you know, extremely. They hated gay lesbian people, and they would demonstrate all the time at funerals, uh, where they would demonstrate and say that this person's funeral, you know, you know, down with gays, gays, you know, it was most horrible, horrible stuff that they would be demonstrating in front of a funeral. Right. With, and, and you know what the Supreme Court said? They had a right to do it. Mm. With signs about, you know, that, that this deceased soldier was gay. And there was, I mean, it was a horrible, horrible stuff that this, this organization. Uh, West Westboro Baptist, yeah, the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, yeah. And the Supreme Court, eight to one, said, no, they have a right to demonstrate. They, were, they weren't harming anybody. Mm -hmm. It was simply speech. And, if, and, and you know, if you don't want to be there, walk away. Don't, don't look. You know, they they weren't they weren't making loud noise. Uh, they 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 got a you know the police were watching them, but you know again this is this is this is protected speech, however hateful it is. Do you feel that especially recently? And I've been talking before the last four years. I'm talking even the like last ten to twelve that calls for the freedom of speech. Uh, have been used as a lightning rod to simply to try and advertise and attract per, uh, people to different aspects of whatever cause they might be uh, pursuing? Well, I think certainly the idea that they can say whatever they want to say and attract people uh, is certainly a way of uh, yeah, uh, bringing into your association more and more people, certainly just the, your ability to promote your organization and the ability for your organization to be able to use so, you know, inflammatory symbols and, uh, you, know, you know, attire, things like that. Um, I, mean, I mean, yeah, speech has been a, a weapon that's been used to help, um, you know, weaponize some of these organizations. Uh, I, I, you know, absolutely. But, you know, again, um, you know, has spe free speech been abused? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, is, 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 must there be, should there be regulations? Well, yes. But again, you know, we have such a strong history, a strong tradition of freedom of speech that we're seeing how it's being used today uh, to attract crazy people, to attract a mob, to attract barbarians to their cause. 
uh, and, and with the ability of so much information out there to be used to attract these people, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's a situation that, you know, we, we, we see often that the constitution giving rights, those rights can be abused, those, and, and uh, but, you know, but then you, you know, you have to ask the other side of the question. If you want to regulate more speech, what's the cost? And the cost might be too much that we may not be able to be as free and open a society as we'd like to be. You know, with, with, anytime you're chilling constitutional rights, you're paying a price. And, and, and we wonder whether that price is too much to pay. You know, we, the Supreme Court said that campaign contributions to candidates is speech. We wouldn't have thought that uh, 20 or 30 years ago. But if, if contributions to candidates is considered speech, then anybody can spend as much money as they want. And the corporations, the billionaires, can help elect people who otherwise might not get elected because they have more money. And, wow. and so the Citizens United case was one of the most uh, controversial decisions of the Supreme Court in terms of freedom of speech. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, and, and the argument that money corrupts, money corrupts the political process. But the Supreme Court said, too bad. Spending money on uh, candidates, uh, promoting candidates is speech. Campaign contributions is speech. And uh, I guess people with the most money can elect the people they want more, more easily than people who don't have money. Um, you know, so, so, so you, you know, you're, this was a new twist on speech. You know, we never thought 30 or 40 years ago that advertising was speech, mm -hmm. you know, commercial advertising. Because, you know, we think of speech as politics candidates running for office, policies that the government is announcing, fighting over you know, issues involving uh, Medicare and, and, and Obamacare and things like that. Um, but you know, the, the court said 30 or so years ago, commercial speech, you know, advertising is certainly protected speech. In fact, advertising might be more important than political speech. Would you wanna know something about the car that you're about to buy or about somebody who's running for public office? Most people would wanna know about, you know, and maybe about the car, buy a safe car. Um, and so advertising for that car might be much more helpful to you than something about you know, politics that you really don't care about. So the Supreme Court said that commercial speech is speech. It's, I will say that commercial speech is not as protected as political speech. When I say political speech, I mean speech dealing with democracy and politics and elections and policy and laws and all that stuff. Um, but commercial speech, which wasn't regulated 30 or 40 years ago, is now fully, you know, protected, which was regulated, is now, is now um, protect, uh, allowed. Um, and, you know, things that you wouldn't even think about, you know, where naked dancing, is naked dancing in, in a bar? Can the government pass a law saying no naked dancing in a bar? <laughs> and, and, you know, you'd think, sure. But, you know, if, if, assuming it's, it's a, uh, you know, the, the, the government now is getting into the regulation of, uh, you know, now, you know, can, can the government say you can't be naked in public? Yes. Can they say that you naked, naked dance? I mean, walking along a street is not protect, protected speech. Dancing is. So you could say that, that dancing is a form of self-expression. And now you're talking about the First Amendment. Uh, whereas you might not be talking about, you know, if I want to sell t-shirts on a corner of a street, um, the government can stop me from selling t-shirts. They could say you're crowding the street. You, we're not going to allow commercial people to, to sell t-shirts on the street. Okay. Right. You know, 
But now if I put a sign on that t-shirt saying vote for Trump, it's no longer just t-shirts. It's now speech, right? Huh. And you can't write and now you can't regulate it as easily. Now you can't throw me off the street because I'm selling speech. It's speech now. Incredible. You get that? You get that station? You get that? I am, I am, I am. It's 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 taking my thick brain a hot moment, but yes. Um and I I mean if you could speak to a second, like because the, you know, I've I've never had a chance to uh, to be able to talk to somebody about as much as this about the fluidity that in the design of the Constitution to be able to adapt new stimuli as we continue, uh, you know, at this great you know two hundred year democracy uh, dem democratic experiment of ours. I'm curious. Uh, do you see uh, this conversation coming up to influence uh, possibly uh, addressing these concerns in the Constitution in the near future? Well, I think people are talking about it. I mean, I just saw a very interesting discussion, I don't know whether it was last week or so, where people are talking about whether the First Amendment needs to be changed, amended, uh, you know, whether the First Amendment can survive, uh, whether freedom of speech is possible in today's culture uh, under all the things we've been talking about. Um, I mean, most people feel, no, don't tinker with it because it's, it's just, uh, you know, you're not gonna like what you get. Um, the cost is too much. Uh, you, what you have to pay is, you know, it's not worth it. Um, and, you know, but we have these debates so often. I mean, I remember, you remember the flag burning case where somebody burned the American flag and there were calls for amending the constitution to have an exception to the first amendment for flag burning. Yes. Republicans, every single term of, of Congress would, would propose a constitutional amendment. You have to, you know, you have to amend it for exception for flag burning. Never got passed, always just, just uh, you know, hyperbole and grandstanding. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, that, that poses another interesting question. You know, they, can, can you make it a crime to burn the American flag? And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't. Now, that was a close decision. That was five to four. But oh. uh, the court said it's, it's protected speech. You know, some speech is symbolic. It's not, you know, uh, you know draft card burning years ago, burning the American flag. Um, it, you, you, but you're, 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 it's a message. You're sending a message. And messages like that are protected, whether you like it or not. You know, a lot of speech people don't like. Uh, you know, if, again, you know, march of neo-Nazis down Main Street is not something a lot of people like, uh, but, you know, it's protected under the First Amendment, as long as it's not violent, as long as it's not inciting or, you know, um, fighting words or anything like that. This is, this is our, our, you know, I guess if you go back to the time of the framing of our constitution, you know, there was, there was a lot of speech then that people didn't like, whether it was pro-England or anti-colonialist or, you know, I mean, our history is filled with cacophony and, and ugly, hateful speech uh, that people don't like. But, you know, it's our, it's our heritage. It's, it's what, what, our, what we fought for. We fought a revolutionary war to gain these freedoms. And it's a freedom that I don't think we want to sacrifice very easily or have, have you know, tinkered with or amended in some way. Uh, you know, people are talking about it, yes. Uh, you constantly have these debates, especially today, when it seems that the internet is being used for such serious harm to our, to our country. 
uh, and we know it is, um, but, but, you know, does the government want to get into the business of regulating the internet? And if they do that, uh, how far the, is the government going to go and where do you draw lines? You know, line drawing is a very difficult task for the court. You know, almost every constitutional issue that you can identify, the court is sometimes going to have to draw lines. And they don't like to draw lines because drawing lines is very subjective. Where do you draw the line? If you draw a line here, are you going to be doing too much damage to one side or the other? Mm. You know, so it's very difficult. Line drawing is very difficult. You know, the court tries to deal with principles, broad pronouncements without drawing lines. But if you're going to be regulating speech, you're going to have to draw lines. And, and as I say, it's, it's a very, very hazardous enterprise to draw lines. What's the thing that you feel, or, or the one thing you wish people would ask you more about the First Amendment? Um, well, you know, some people may ask, why do we need a First Amendment? And I thought I've answered that. I mean, a First Amendment is critical to democracy and to, to, to ascertaining truth. Um, you know, people do wonder whether or not we're paying too great a price for free speech. I do say, you know, a, a lot of people, of course, just to go back to where we started this mm -hmm. conversation, feel that uh, Twitter is violating your free, Trump's free speech right by taking him off the platform, you know, getting rid of parlor is a violation of their right to free speech. So, you know, the public, the public is, is, is somewhat ignorant of this. And, you know, let me just say this, uh, Jeremy, you know, the public isn't really very smart uh, generally about the constitution. Uh, I was teaching a class the other day and uh, one out of three Americans cannot name one right contained in the first amendment. You know, they know the First Amendment, but they don't know any rights that are in the First Amendment. Um, so really? there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ignorance out there about the Constitution and how the Constitution works, what the Constitution says, even though we're in this time when so much about the Constitution is, is coming out all the time. You know, new justices to, are being appointed to the Constitution, the Electoral College about the Constitution, impeachment is in the Constitution, mm -hmm. on and on and on. And yet, you know, the Constitution is this kind of mysterious or amorphous document that uh, a lot of people don't really have a, a, a real good understanding of, or even a mod moderate understanding of. Um, and so there needs to be a lot of education. But, you know, again, um, if there's so much misinformation out there, false information out there, you know, what is education going to do? People's, you know, ideas are so fixed. Mm -hmm. and, and so much of what we're talking about is so visceral that it really is very hard to educate somebody, to change people's minds. You know, if 84% of the Republicans think that uh, Biden's presidency is illegitimate, are you going to change those people's minds? You know, how, how are you going to do that? Uh, you know, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. And I think today we're, we're you know, we, we may be seeing, you know, kind of another way of, of, of like a civil war. It may not be a civil war with guns and, and bullets the way it was 150 years ago or more. But you know we may be seeing here a civil war in terms of the, the division of America. Um, it is a civil war. It may not be a, you know, it's a, maybe a war in terms of communication, a war in terms of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it may be a, you know, a civil conflict that we, we really can't overcome. Uh, 
And, and that's the fear that there's no way we, we, we can talk to each other. There's no way that Biden can govern. We're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see whether his call for unity, which he's going to call for tomorrow, can make a difference. Can this country or parts of this country join hands and get back together again to do the things we have to do? You know, yeah, is this another civil war, the second civil war in America? I don't know the answer to that. I, we, we saw this insurrection two weeks ago, which was the most horrible, horrible thing that I, I've seen in my lifetime. And I mean that. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe these, these, these uh, this mob, mm -hmm. barbarians storming the Capitol. That's something we've never, ever seen. We haven't seen it since 1812 when sure. the British down the, uh, the Capitol. Mm -hmm. That's, that's like 200, 200 years ago. You know, this is something that just never happened. But it did happen. And just let that sink in. And it may have even happened because of the aiding and abetting of so many people, including people in Congress, and including, of course, the United States president. You know, it, that's how it happened. And you think that these people are the 2,000 people who stormed the Capitol? You think it's only 2,000? No. Maybe it's 25 million. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm very scared. Let's just put it that way. And, and if we tinker with the First Amendment, is that going to make a difference? I don't know. I think things are fixed now to such a point that it's going to take a long time. You know, it's sort of like you have a serious wound. You got to clean out that wound before you can start putting stitches on and healing it. And we've got to clean out the sewage in, in our democracy if we want our democracy to survive. And I don't know whether we can do it because I think it's too in, in, infested. It's too, you know, con contaminate, contaminated. Uh, you know, the, the virus of what we've seen is now, as, as you know, in, in many ways, maybe long-term as harmful as COVID. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but I'm very, very uh, fearful of where this country is going. Um, and uh, that's not, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I don't, I don't broadcast that, but that's the way I feel. I, I, you're not alone in that feeling whatsoever. Uh, I wish I had answers, but all I got is just more and more questions. Professor Gershman, uh, I think that's, that's everything for us. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. This has been uh, a wonderful and, uh, you know, maybe uh, I can catch up with you again in, in a few months and hopefully we have uh, some updates and some better news and hopefully I won't have so much constitutional law to ask questions about. Oh, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much again, Professor. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bennett. Professor Gershman teaches at Pace University, and I hope to have him back on again in better times. Music for today's episode comes via Maiden. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash maidensound. Next week, we'll be going back to our regular shenanigans, imbibing and discussing. In the meantime, please support us on Patreon at drinkingwithcreatives.com. And please subscribe on the listening platform of your preference. It's great to be back. Be well. I'll see you next week.